Yes, I thank you for the opportunity to come and just fellowship with you. And I suppose, um, as I think about it, there are probably two things we've got in common. Um, one is that, you know, you love to be with God's people and worship together, <laughs> people of like mind. And, uh, and the second thing we've got in common is that uh, in my home church, home-based church, we worship in a funeral parlour. <laughs> so we have many things in common as we come together today. And uh, yes, I hope you've got your uh, little hand out there. And, um, but if you also have, you've got a pen, because sometimes I throw in another verse or two and you might just want to jot down what that verse is so that you can uh, follow through with it a little bit. And so we're going to the Old Testament for a story this morning. And uh, as we follow through on that story, I think there's a, a message for us. Because we as God's people, I think um, sometimes we can get a little bit sort of settled down and um, some of those truths of God's words, we just sort of float over us a little bit is because we're so happy in the Lord that we don't sort of pick up on some of those little things. So I'm hoping we'll pick up on something this morning that the Lord wants to say to us. But first of all, let us read, um, and this is from Joshua chapter 14, and, um, and uh, I've put the message, moving to higher ground. And uh, in our own lives, we need to move to that higher ground in many ways. One day, some people from the tribe of Judah came to Joshua at Gilgal. One of them, Caleb's son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said in Kadesh Barnea about you and me to Moses, the man of God? I was 40 years old when the Lord's servant Moses sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out this land. I brought an honest report back to him. The men who went with me, however, made our people afraid, but I faithfully obeyed the Lord my God. Because I did, Moses promised me that my children and I would certainly receive as our possession the land which I walked over. But now look, it has been 45 years since the Lord said that to Moses. That was when Israel was going through the desert, and the Lord, as he promised, has kept me alive ever since. Look at me, I am 85 years old. I'm just as strong today as I was then, when Moses sent me out. I'm still strong enough for war or for anything else. Now then, give me the hill country that this Lord promised me. On that day, when my men and I reported, we told you that the race of giants called the Anakim were there, in large walled cities. Maybe the Lord will be with me, and I'll drive them out, just as the Lord said. Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him the city of Hebron as his possession. Hebron was, still belongs to the descendants of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, because he faithfully observed the Lord, the God of Israel. Before this, Hebron was called the city of Arba. Arba had been the greatest city of Anakim. There was now peace in the land. And um, so I want to sort of base a little bit of thought on that particular story about Caleb and how he really wanted what he'd been promised. And sometimes the depth of God's promises to us, we need to want to claim them and uh, live in that. And I'm just so saying that Christians need to know how God has chosen to work in their lives, how we can claim those promises. And yet sometimes those promises seem to be almost far away at times because there's a depth which we need to go through. And um, I'm saying, how, what is the principle that God uses? And it's the principle of growth. And when we talk about growth, it means we're not there, you know, it's already been mentioned today, that 
you know, you get to 30 perhaps to be mature as a man. And uh, so we need to grow. But we need to also grow in that walk with the Lord. And so in 2 Peter 3.18 it talks about, you know, to continue to grow, which means that there's a growing process. And as we go through that growing process, perhaps there's a difficulty that comes. You know, that the Peter also says that, you know, that um, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. And are we always living a godly life? Do we sometimes feel I've slipped back a little bit? And sometimes we feel perhaps, this is what God's word is saying to me, but where's the reality in it in my life? And so, uh, and sometimes I think we can live in the situation of perhaps, you know, putting on the front that you know everything is there and I've got this perfectly godly life that I've been promised but what is the step that I really need to take to get to that situation so is there a higher plane that we need to go to in our lives and that's what we're looking at today right. human nature often shows its impatience no difference with the Christian perhaps a Christian who's really keen really wants to get there and yet there's a struggle to get there to get onto that higher plane, as it were. And um, so the situation is, but God knows how often and what circumstances he needs to control the rate of growth so that self-confidence may become a thing of the past. And we do live in that life of self, you know, our own confidence in doing the things which we have got to. A little verse that I put down um, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5. Um, there's a little verse there that sort of, can summarize something for us. 2 Corinthians 3, 5. It says, there's nothing in us that allows us to claim that we are capable of doing this work. The capacity we have comes from God. And so we've got to get in that situation of letting all the capacity of our lives to come from God. And yet how often and how easy it is to sort of use our own capacity. You know, it's as simple as the old uh, proverb, you know, Lean not on your own understanding. And yet so much of our lives can be operated on our own understanding. And yet we need, and when we're doing that, we're not on the high plane. <laughs> we're on the low plane of self. We need to lift. There's no shortcuts to the way God works. When we consider Paul, um, he appeared years in preparation before he's ready to serve. Galatians 1 we read those verses there. I'm not going to read all those verses today. You've got your little handout. That's your homework. When you go home, you can read those verses. And find. And talks about three years there. And I'm not certain whether it actually means Paul was actually away for three years. But when Paul was being taught, as he says there, he wasn't being taught by himself. He wasn't being taught by other men. He's being taught by God. And that's, I think, where our situation sometimes we we can have a wonderful pastor like Pastor John and he's going to teach us. <laughs> but it's God who's got to teach us. And we've got to allow God to teach us. And so that is the situation here. And even after serving for some time, he still expressed himself, all I want to know is Christ and the power that raised him from death. All I, and what's he saying there? All I want to know is Christ. Well, he's not saying that the people he's writing to in uh, Philippians He's not saying, I don't want any more to do with you. So what's he really saying? He says, I'm in a situation, I've been serving, and he's in jail for all his service. And what he's saying is, I want to know more about Jesus and the power of God. That's what he's saying. And that's what we need to be doing also, seeking to know more 
of the power of God. I want to say, that's Paul and his situation. Moses was set aside for 40 years after he took matters into his own hands. In a sense of pride, I'm going to do something myself. I will fix this situation here. And once again, you've got that passage there to read, to see the whole of that story. And Moses, what happened then? God dealt with him. But it took 40 years. <laughs> Sometimes it might take 40 or 50 years with us too. And he still is there graciously seeking to guide us and deal with us and to help us on our way. And he will work in our lives in that way. And as we look at Caleb affirming his faith in God at the age of 85, he asked Joshua to allow him to possess Hebron. I wonder why it took him 45 years to come to that situation of saying, I want the promise fulfilled. I think there's a lesson there also. We go on asking God to fulfill the promise of the fullness of his oneness in our lives. But we've got to recognise that he is the one who wants to fill us. So uh, this is our situation there, isn't it? 45 years. But I'm sure that God was still working in Caleb's life. And Caleb still had the faith to hold on to God's promises. I don't know exactly what he went through in that. You know, so often in Scripture, there's just a, a gap of 40 years or more. <laughs> we don't know exactly what happened. But we know that God is faithful. And he's faithful with us. No matter what struggles we might have through 40 or 50 years, he is faithful. And he's there. As long as we hang on, as it were, Caleb hung on to the promise. We must hang on, hang on to the the promises that God gives to us. A little um, passage there also. Um, we will read these, these words in Exodus 23. As we sort of say, we wonder what's happening. Sometimes when these delays seem to happen, when we're not getting onto that higher ground that we're looking for, what is going on in our lives? Why do we have those hassles sometimes? Exodus chapter 3. 29 and 30. Sorry, it's Exodus chapter 2 I want. And 29 and 30. Sorry, no, it is Exodus 23. I'm having trouble with... Um, cataracts. <laughs> you know what they are. Um, Exodus 23, 29 and 30. So I'm saying we're wondering why Caleb's taken so long. And this is something which comes in Exodus. And it gives us a clue that might also be applicable in our lives. I will not drive them out with a year's time. If I did, the land would become deserted. The wild animals would be too many for you. He said, I'll drive them out little by little until there's enough strength that you have to take possession of the land. And so the Lord works with us in that way at times, I believe, too. It's all in his timing. We have still got to have that desire to go to a higher plane. But God is working. And we can be sure of that. He's working in our lives. It took time for Caleb for faith and Caleb to be ready to move to higher ground when God had prepared the setting for him. And this is the same for Christians who seek to move on with God 
Our time is in God's hands and the faith we have must be prepared hearts. Prepared hearts. Now I'm sort of almost here seeking to be going on a tangent, but I'm not. <laughs> because I really believe that the situation in our lives is sometimes the fact that there's more as we want to recognize the power of the resurrection of Jesus and the victory which is ours. I mean, how often perhaps have you heard a very sincere prayer which just says simply, Lord, thank you for saving me and I'm on my way to heaven. And um, that's a beautiful, sincere prayer. But sometimes I wish, sometimes people would put more into their prayer the fact of the victory that is theirs in Jesus Christ. You know, Christ died upon the cross. He defeated Satan. <laughs> and, and that's a... Uh, and that should be part of our prayer. Thank you for defeating Satan. Thank you for giving me victory in the world. Thank you for coming into my life to give me victory over that self that is so powerful. And that's where... Let's read together. I've outlined the verse in um, Romans chapter 6, verse 6. Uh, let's read it together. And we know that our old being has been put to death with Christ on his cross in order that the power of the sinful self might be destroyed so that we would no longer be the slaves of sin. And there are so many wonderful passages in Scripture that bring us back to that same point of recognising just what it is that God has done for us. And uh, sometimes we don't sort of live. I don't say that we should be going down the street and saying, I am dead. <laughs> but we are dead because we are alive in Christ. And sometimes we can live our lives without that real recognition that I'm dead to situations. Something comes up that's sort of dragging me, so the attractions of the world in some way might be dragging me away. And what do I say? But that's been defeated. Christ has given me victory over those things which are attractions in the world. And so I must recognise the situation that I've really come to be as one of God's people. In Colossians chapter 1, here's another little Philippians. And then comes in Colossians chapter 1, and the ver or chapter 3, I would say. Let's listen to these just opening verses. You have been raised to life with Christ, so set your hearts on the things that are in heaven, where Christ sits on the throne at the right side of God. Keep your minds fixed on things there, not on things here on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. You have died. And so as the situations of the world come out and uh, around about me, the pressures come in, I've got to look at myself the way the scripture looks at me and the way God looks at me. You have died. Why be drawn away again? Why stay on this lower level? Rise to the higher level where God has for you the victory of Jesus Christ. So live in that victory. Count on that victory. And when things come up in our lives, say, but I'm dead to that because of Christ's victory. So there are many verses which would... Romans 5.1 said, we've been put right with God through faith. And when we've been put right with God, it means God's also right with us. And so that's the wonder of that story. So, uh, but what about Caleb? Caleb's faith was established on the fact of God's promise to himself. The Christian faith must also be based 
on God's promises as declared in the scriptures. So, what, what we must do. As we discover the motivation of Caleb's life, what made him want to press on, receive the fulfillment of the promise that was given to him by God. We find, as it were, I'd say, just looking at that story, it's like a template for our lives. What, Moses, what uh, Caleb went through, the way he approached the situation, and we find that what he was really seeking was the fulfillment of God's promise to himself. And that promise is victory that will rise us to a higher plane. Victory over self and victory over the temptations and the attractions of the world because we are dead to sin. What's that, what's that same Joshua 14 verse 9? He looks for that situation. He was promised because I did, Moses promised me that my children and I would certainly receive our possession, the land which I walked out. I'll certainly receive it. That was the promise, wasn't it? And he wanted his possession. I put on the, and I put Ephesians 1, 6 there. It's on the front of your passage, uh, little sheets today. It says, let us praise God for his glorious grace, for the free gift he gave us in his dear son. For the free gift he gave us in his dear son. And uh, sometimes I think about that just in simple terms. Perhaps my mind is simple. But, uh, you know, what might I get at Christmas? One of the grandkids might give me a little package or something, a little bit of rip wrap, and I'll feel it and I'll say, oh, that's another pair of socks or something like that. But uh, it's a gift. But until I open the package, I don't know what I've got, really. And that free gift that God has given to us, we've got to unwrap it and find there's victory for our lives. We can rise to that higher plane. We can defeat the world. We can defeat self. But it's in his strength because we are dead to the world and we are dead to self. That's the power of Jesus Christ in our lives because of his resurrection. And we've got to count on it and think about it, not let it be a, just a little thought that perhaps comes occasionally. And we can say come to worship and we can sing all those beautiful songs and so forth that exalt the Lord, that's it. But also, he wants to be exalted in our lives as we live that victory and rise to a higher plane to serve him. Caleb believed. What did he believe? Little giants and a big God. In the book of Numbers, and as you uh, look in your scriptures sometimes, has anyone got one of those chronological Bibles? could be very handy because little bits all, all over the place sort of come, come together. And um, we're going to go to the book Numbers 13 and we'll read a little bit of that story there. Just tying it all together again. Commencing verse 25. After exploring the land for 40 days, the spies returned to Moses, Aaron and the whole community of Israel and Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported what they had seen and showed them the fruit they had brought. They told Moses, we explored the land and found it to be rich and fertile. And here is some of the fruit. But the, the people who live there are powerful. Their cities are very large and very well fortified. Even worse, we saw the descendants of the giants there. Amalekites live in the southern part of the land. Hittites, Jebusites and Amorites live in the hill country. And Canaanites live by the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan River. Caleb silenced the people who were complaining against Moses and said, We should attack now and take the land we are strong enough to conquer it. But the men who have gone with Caleb said, No, we are not strong enough to attack them. 
The people there are very powerful than we are. So they spread a false report among the Israelites about the land that they, and that they had explored. They said that land doesn't even produce enough to feed the people who live there. Everyone who we saw was very tall. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. We felt as small as grasshoppers. And is that how? And that is how we must have looked to them. So what's that saying to us? There are those people around about. And sometimes we might be involved with some of those people too. <laughs> who don't really believe in our great God. And this is what uh, Caleb believed in little giants and a big God. And that's what we must believe also. Little giants, big God. And so that's the wonder. And this is the way he thought about the whole situation. What about you? <laughs> Are there any big giants there that you think God cannot bring down? There shouldn't be, if you're trusting the Lord. Because he is the big God. And so the majority of the people were, shall we say, they were problem conscious. But Caleb was power conscious. Yeah, and that's what it's all about. Caleb remembered his act of surrender. You know, he said that, you know, he surrendered to the Lord. He did what the Lord had done, and what Moses had sent him out to do. And so we see that in the petition, all that. He remembered 45 years ago that he made that surrender. And he carried it right through. So just encourage you, keep carrying through that surrender to the Lord. Some might look back many, many years to the time when they first surrendered their lives to the Lord. But just continue with that surrender, no matter what the circumstances seem to be doing. Continue to surrender as you walk with the Lord. And so all through his life, he had this surrender. The promise of our possession, never let it go. We must never let go either. Caleb remembered that he stood alone. And we've read that particular account there. And do you sometimes feel you stand alone? Stand alone. Remain surrendered. Hold on to the promise. God will fulfill that situation there. Caleb honoured God with his faithfulness. And that's part of the story, isn't it? Verses 10 and 11. He honoured John God with his faithfulness. Another little verse back in Numbers. And if you read that verse there, you'll find that not only did Caleb honour God with his faithfulness, but God honoured Caleb with his faithfulness. When you honour God with your faithfulness, God honours you with his faithfulness. And that's the way it always works. Caleb was ready for this great challenge to go and take that promised land, to go to higher ground. And so by, I suppose, the simple question to ask, are you prepared for higher ground? But if you want that higher ground, ask God to help you get there. You're not going to do it in your own strength. 
God will need to be with you. And you need to just work that situation of going to higher ground with the Lord's strength, the Lord's guidance on your life. On the back of your sheet there is a little area for your response, a little area for a bit of a follow-up plan if you want to do that. I generally most likely conclude most of my messages by saying or allowing you to respond because I don't think I know what's happening in each of your lives. So each of you might respond totally differently. So let the Holy Spirit just guide you for a moment in your response. Start your response perhaps. Jot it down if you've got a pen. You can complete it at home. And uh, that's something for you to do. Just take a moment for um, your response and then I'll hand back to you. give you a few minutes to do what Pastor Barry said. If you, uh, if you haven't got a pen, just bow your head and just think of that higher ground. If you want to write something down there on a piece of paper. What is the things that hinder you to go to the higher ground? Is it your flesh? Is it this world? Is it your thoughts? Is it inadequacies, self-confidence? All of these things that I've just mentioned is human. Maybe you should lift up your head and start looking at God and say, Father, help me. Just think about the message this morning as you sit. And just contemplate on it. What you've heard. How the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. How your heart responded when you heard these words. Maybe it's something in your life that took time. You prayed about it for so long. Maybe it's just a sigh. You couldn't put it in words in prayer. This is a sigh. Oh Lord. And it's a situation in your life. The victory is in Jesus. The word of God says that he made the spectacle to the power of darkness. Well, we should rejoice in that. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for this message. It is so powerful, Father, the two messages we've heard this morning at the table. How Jesus is the Lamb. Father, it's so wonderful for me to see how the Holy Spirit works. These two brothers 
they didn't even know each other. I don't know if they even knew each other before this morning. Brother John prepared. You laid a word upon his heart this morning. We've heard at the table in the Old Testament. We saw Jesus. The lamb that was sacrificed in the house. We've heard all about that, Father, at the communion table. My brother brilliantly took it out of the word. Now you gave the instruction. And two words resonated with me. They had to obey your word. And they had to follow it with faith. How wonderful is your spirit this morning, Lord. I stand amazed. And we as a church should recognize that your spirit is in this place and you've spoken to us. When John the Baptist stood there, he said, Behold the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin. Then Pastor Barry came up and he speak about Caleb who came. And Father, he, op- he operated in, in obedience and faith. And we've heard this morning how that took years the years that we don't read about. Up to 40 years, Father, that a promise was made to him. And he laid claim on that promise. The word says that your promises are yea and amen. And we stand on your promises. We've learned, Father, from this message that Christ has given us victory. Again, I say, Lord, these two brothers didn't even know each other until this morning when they spoke to us. So to me, it's perfectly crystal clear that you wanted to talk to us through these two men. And it's the same message. The world will look upon this and say, it's by chance. I don't. It's your spirit in this place, Father, who wants to give us a serious message of saying, respond, the time is near. We've heard this morning in the sermon that Satan is defeated. Yet, we just give so many times of our lives over to him as the victor, which he's not. He's a defeated foe. Father, we want to rise to a higher level, which is Christ. And the only way that we can do that, as we've heard the pastor preach this morning, is that if I'm dead in Christ, I rise to that higher level. But Father, if I'm dead in Christ and rise to that higher level, then I am dead to myself and Christ liveth in me. I'm dead to temptations of this world and Christ lives in me. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for speaking to us in this place this morning. And I thank you, Lord, that as my brother said it this morning, it's not me, it's not him, it's not... John, who came at the communion table, but it's you who speak. And we want to hear from you in Jesus' name.